RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me, as usual, is Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? And Mike. Hey, Dusty. What's up? I'm doing really well, guys. So today, we are talking about Brian's game. Is that like Ender's game? <laughs> like Brian's song? Yes. No. So, so Brian has been exploring, kicking around, thinking about GMing. And today, Mike and I are going to help him work through some pre-pre-pre-planning for a session, just, just to kind of get a concept and get an idea out there. So, Brian, let's start off with audience. Obviously, if we're helping you come up with a game, you can't run us. Yeah, this is true. So who are you, who are you going to run, do you think? So I've been putting a lot of thought into this, and um, I don't want to put some... Okay, well, one person... If you don't want to put anyone on the spot... I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. I am going to. So you suggested uh, friends like Ricky and Chris. I think Ricky would be great. Ricky played the, the Ninja Turtle game, and we talked about that, and he was interested in doing more. Chris has been downright um, different. Chris than the Chris we usually talk about. Different Chris. This is different Chris. This is a different Chris. Uh, this Chris has been sort of uh, downright hostile to the idea of RPGs. And I don't. I don't get. I don't know why he loves his Final Fantasy, but just the idea of actually having <laughs> friends for nerds. Yeah, that, that's his attitude, right? Yeah, but I mean, he gladly accepts the mantle of nerds. I think it's just that nobody would actually want to play with him, so it's just easier to... <laughs> so, uh, uh, we should clarify for those at home that Brian and Chris have been friends forever. Not forever, since high school. For a okay. long, long time. Mike and I have been friends nearly forever. For forever. Yeah. 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 So, much longer. Jason and I have literally been friends my entire life. Yeah. yeah. So, but you're good enough friends with Chris that you're busting his chops right now, but there's no real hostility. Well, I mean, there's always like an undercurrent. <laughs> Maybe just a little... Uh, but One uh, of those friendships. Yeah. So, no, Chris and I are tight. Um, but he has been hostile toward D&D. &D, I, I can only assume that it's because it's the one thing that he feels that he can hold over me. And it's just the one thing that... It's the one nerd trope he never got into. Oh, dude, the geek hierarchy is for real. Or the nerd yeah. hierarchy. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. If you Google it. Um, there's a million different versions of... of nerds who look down on other yeah. nerds and of, of course the point of graphing and hierarchy is that it's all artificial and stupid yeah i mean but uh, yeah so uh i i'm susceptible to that you know i look at certain people and I'm like i'm a better nerd than that and that's <laughs> that's entirely what he does uh but so yeah that chris is out and i think that uh chris and nathan from our game probably are going to be out um Nathan specifically, because I think I, I'm not ready for Nathan. I don't think that <laughs> the, the way that he games, I am not ready to take that on. And Chris also to another extent, but I, I Chris is not as Chris is not as challenging as Nathan. I think from a GM perspective, um, but I don't know. I just want to. I want to have a. I want to have a clean slate from like the normal game because I don't want to like uh, just completely mess the bed and have to look at you guys you know, every game and just know that I failed in front of you. So I, I kind of want to have it like a different uh, crew. So uh, you had mentioned some <clears throat> mutual friends that could also possibly be in the game, um, husband and wife. And we've talked about doing something kind of like that before. 
my friend Heather, she's been on a couple of podcasts that I've recorded, and her husband Joe, we've talked about having him on. This is kind of like that. So I think they would probably be some good people to bring on. So if we're sticking it to three, probably Ricky, Heather, and Joe, but I haven't approached Heather and Joe about it. Got it. So do you think you might be more successful targeting people who are completely new to RPGs or trying to get like a mix? Ricky is pretty close. Joe has RPG'd before. Heather, I think, probably has as well, Um, but it's been a while for for either of them. Uh, I don't... I'm going to try to run a really simplistic game, and I want to avoid like what happened with our friend Mark back when he started playing with us years ago. Mark had played D&D a lot, and he had... Again, like the nerd hierarchy, he kind of looked down on us because he had uh, D&D'd so much, and we hadn't at that point when we were playing 4E, that uh, he kind of held back everything. I want to have somebody who is excited to play, and they want to be at the table. And um, I don't want to I don't want to disappoint somebody who has a lot of experience, but also I don't want them to just presume that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. There's a certain comfort level for new GMs. I mean... There's a real reason, Brian, why when I started running, I ran you guys who had never played RPGs before. I thought it was because you loved us. Well, there's that too. But when you go out on a limb and you start GMing and you put yourself out there as as the guy at this table who knows the rules, it's a little more comforting when when you know that not everyone else at the table does know the rules. Because it would just... I can't imagine... Well, yeah, I can imagine a lot worse for a new GM, actually. But but one nightmare new GM scenario is an experienced player who's like, well, actually, yeah, that's not how encumbrance works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you want to avoid that? That I makes total absolutely. sense. Absolutely. That's so. That's and, my goal. and you mentioned system. So let's talk. Well, let's skip ahead and talk system. Okay. You said simplistic. Yeah. So are you thinking like pocket fantasy RPG? Uh, yeah. So. Pocket Fantasy was what we did the Subohu game in. Yep, DM Scotty ran us through that. Yeah, that was really simplistic. What was it? Two dice or just? It was just D six. It was. It was <laughs> most actions were a single D six. Yeah. If you had a stat, you could roll two D six and take the higher. Yeah. So uh, that worked great. Um, I again, I like crunchy stuff. I kind of like the the math of you. You know, like all of the. Um, the different traits and everything you have to do uh, and like switching out your die. And I like doing math fast in my head as a parlor trick. So, but I would kind of lose all of that, but I don't really need all the distraction anyway. And I, in doing this, I want to make it a pleasurable experience for everybody. And I think everybody can enjoy a system like that where um, I, even if we did like Pathfinder, I, yeah, I just really think that, uh, uh, that would be too much for some people, especially. Mm. And I, I don't. Again, I don't want to um, botch it in the course of trying to run the game. Uh, Pocket Fantasy. I think it would be hard for me to botch it. Do you feel committed to running a system that you've played, or are you open to running any system that's meant for? I am open to running anything that I think that will be simple for everybody involved. Okay, let's let's circle back on that. What's your goal? Is it just to run a one shot, or are you? Do you want to start a campaign, or is it just like a total exploratory one-shot session? Um, so I, you know, honestly, we've talked about doing um an actual play just for the sake of learning what it would take to do an actual play. Yes, uh, lessons learned. I could see myself actually doing kind of like an actual play, like in a transformer setting, and then making that like occasional content for 
my Transformers stuff because Radio Free Cybertron is the big show, which is the way I like calling it. I don't want to call it my primary show because it makes it like I'm playing favorites, but it's obviously the bigger show. Sure. Uh, but we also uh, we also mix in other things as well. Other tr- in, in one feed, we put in some other Transformers-related content that we do. And occasionally running my guys on that show through like a Transformers-based uh, RPG and having something semi-serialized as extra content actually might be kind of fun. So your goal is to run this one-shot related to Transformers or unrelated to Transformers? Um, I'm thinking this will probably be unrelated. Okay, so you're just getting some GM yeah. experience under your belt for this session. And potentially, if you like GMing, maybe running a Transformers game for some of the RFC crew. Yeah. That's uh, all right. That's cool. Um, that tells you more about your goal. So your goal is is for for this session. Your goal is a one shot exploratory. Yeah, and also I, I know how much you enjoy playing. So if, occasionally, if I can play it, if I can GM something, and you get to experience, you know, the other side of the table besides just the Martin game, I think that would be uh, beneficial for all of us. That was uh, that was kind of my uh, my original goal for choosing to DM the games that I would DM, just to get a little experience for myself. It also give Dusty that chance to actually be in the player seat. So I did not continue on that DM path, but uh, <laughs> and you did, I think you did a great job. You, you did. I, I think from time to time I'm picking it back up, but I just I just haven't. So um, what 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 story do you think you you want to tell oh, with man. with this one shot? So I I've thought a little bit about this, and I think some advice that Dusty gave me. Um, again, I'm just going to rip off DM Scotty. Uh, because that was such a great experience, and honestly, I in a, in a lot of ways it's um, like understanding how a magic trick works. Because there wasn't a lot to the story; it was just you were given, uh, you know, motivation for taking action, and then either the rest is made up at the table, or it's just uh, tra- every the story is just trappings to facilitate the actual um, uh, adventure or the actual. Uh, play so i probably whatever i do would probably be more heavy on the the g than more so than maybe the rping not that rping is uh less enjoyable for me because i really enjoy it but i think it would be easier for me to i think it'd be easier for me to deal with the tactics more so than the creative aspect at least to begin with because it's kind of like waiting tables or something it's like how many plates can you carry at a given time? There's only only so much capacity, especially when you're starting out. And I want to be able to do something that I think would be that would do everybody justice and, and sort of getting fun out of it. Where me just rambling off the top of my head, uh, some story and, and trying to have a really awkward interaction with somebody. Like was it in a recent game where we were flirt? Where Dusty was flirting with Chris, or we wanted Dusty to flirt <laughs> yeah, with Chris? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to flirt with Ricky. Uh, so uh, I want to avoid it as much of that as possible. You made a super interesting analogy just now about the waiter, and I want to dig in on that. Let's talk about you as a customer in a restaurant real quick. And, and, and a waiter is such a good example for a GM. How have we never talked about this? Oh, my God. So, so the waiter's got a couple aspects to the job, right? They're the soft skills. Mm-hmm. Smile, you know, whip up some conversation, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Um. Remember the specials? Well, I guess that's technical. So so the soft skills are, are you know, smile, be friendly, um, make people want to leave you that tip. So that's all soft skills. Then there's the technical mastery. What are today's specials? What's the menu like? What's good on the menu? Um, how do you, you know, get, you know, get drink orders, get drinks out, keep drinks refilled, get the food out, check in on the table. 
there's all those mechanics and, and, and waiters have to get their systems down. So what's more important to you as a customer? A waiter who has mastered the technical, who is getting your drink order and getting your drinks and getting your food out with, with terrible soft skills or a waiter with amazing soft skills, but his technical needs needs a lot of work. Maybe okay. it's his first day, but oh my God, he's super, he's so friendly. And it, so it depends on what I want, what experience I'm going for. If I'm going for a, a cheap meal, um, I don't really care as long as they don't screw up my order. Uh, but if I'm going and I'm dropping quite a bit of money, uh, I typically want to have at least, I want to have the whole package. Uh, I want to have somebody who's not going to mess up my order, uh, but also somebody that's sort of, you know, uh, enjoyable to speak with. And if they're cute and they touch my shoulder, you know, hey, that's another, that's an extra 5%. <laughs> so, um, and they know that. And they absolutely, they yeah. know that. So, in all seriousness, what you're saying is you want both. And I hear you that you want both. But now you're the waiter. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. And, and you're trying to learn this job. It, in my mind, this is, um, just basically a diner. It, it's a, it's a low rent. My goal is to have a low rent diner where the food's pretty good. And the waiter doesn't screw anything up. Uh, you know, eventually I can work my way toward uh, something higher end. Uh, and I mean, heck, maybe I can, you know, at a later point, try to play, try to GM again, where I'm just more focusing on, hey, I'm at a high high rent place and I'm a new waiter. So I'm, I'm really focusing on the soft skills, but I may, you know, instead of bringing you, uh, you know, filet, I might, I might bring you a New York strip or something like that. So, so I think, yeah, you have to, you have to kind of set your, your, your customers' expectations in this scenario, right? Yeah. It's, it's the first day at a new restaurant. It's your first day as a short order cook. It's your first day as a waiter. Your, your players are going to expect that you're going to struggle with the technical sides. So I think they would be willing or almost expecting kind of an over deliverance on the, on the soft skills. What I want to avoid is going in and I've had, we've all had these guys uh, I went to an IHOP last year where the waiter uh, was sort of friendly, not really, but he we, we had a table of like eight people and he did not take notes. He did not write down what anybody got. It was like, I'm so good at this. I don't need to write anything down. And, and he got everything right. He got a third of it. He got a half to third, a third wrong. Wow. Yeah, so it's like it wasn't even a great, it wasn't a great experience in like the tactics of it or in the soft skills. <laughs> I, I I want to avoid that entirely. I want to I want to I want to ex- not maybe not excel, but I at least want to be acceptable in whatever I, you know, whatever I'm trying to do. All right, so you don't want to come up with a story in advance, which is perfect. That's great. Um, you, I mean, like I'll have a I'll have like the framework for a story. Oh sure. Yeah. What what story? What type of Oh, all right, so I'll throw out some advice. Stranger, for, to come, a stranger comes to town. That'll be simple as that. Okay, I, I've never heard that story. No, I'm just saying, like, what is it? Uh, there's only like four. There's only four stories in the in fiction. A stranger comes to town. Somebody finds himself or whatever. I was just trying to be funny. Oh, got it. Yeah. There's a great uh, big list of RPG plots out there, but what I do um, when I'm running a new group or when I'm trying to have something on the fly that works really well, like Assassin's Creed, is you come up with the villains first. And what are the villains doing? And that's all you do. Well, well it's <clears throat> who are the villains? What are they doing? And then how do the players get wind of it? And from there, let the players run wild. So are there any villains that are particularly interesting to you that you might want to replicate? So it has to be pretty simple. So um, when you say villains, my first thing is like, oh, if I were writing a story, I would try to give the villain all of these, you know, complex uh, motivations. 
I'm not I'm not going for any kind of complex motivation. The person's going to be evil, you know. Uh, they're they're doing what they're doing because they're a bad person. Maybe because they're getting paid for it. I don't know. Uh, but so yeah, so maybe Hans Gruber or something like that from Die Hard. Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. That, yeah. That's yeah. That that that's actually just to kind of come up with that off the cuff and not say you're going to have a story that that'd be very interesting to see how that's going to balance out with each other. I uh, I also would wonder in your in your smaller scope story, is there going to be any room for uh, interesting player decisions? Well, will your guys have I mean, any I, agency? I can't, I can't take away player agency. I mean, you have to have player agency. Probably they'll be trapped somewhere or something where it's not like, oh, I'm going to go to the mall. Well, yeah. you can't because you're like locked in a pyramid yeah, or, or trapped in a pyramid or something. I, I would try to do it where there's a, a rail. Uh, oh, a border. A border. Border, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that's to- why I had Terror or the Kataro on a boat. Uh, Tanner had Holy Matrimony in that one town. Yeah. So you're going to do something like that. Yeah, it would be something like that. But I mean, hopefully not uh, obvious that I'm trying to, you know, suppress the open world mentality that some players might want to have. But I mean, it is what it is. Are you going to let the players be the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench? I don't think I can stop them. No, no, I meant like like in, in, in true Hans Gruber fashion. Like like that's oh, oh, that's, oh. What, that's what McLean said yeah, to so Gruber. That's, I'm, that's, I'm just... that's exactly what he is. Uh, like I mean, so like specifically Hans Gruber, like the plot of Die Hard. I, I can't, I can't. Actually, Die Hard is they're stuck yeah. in a building. That's yeah. kind of that's no. kind of perfect. Yeah. It is kind yeah. of perfect, isn't it? It's kind of perfect. I, I, they're they're on something that's been hijacked. Ooh, I, I'm almost wondering if if you don't take the approach I took to my first game and find something pre-built. Add a little flavor of it to your own minimal, you know, investment, minimal time and, and, and work with that as your, as your rail. So if you could find like a die hard pre-made one shot. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in the system he wants, uh, yeah, you'd have to convert it. So it, that, that's why I'm helping him come up with the adventure is if he's going to run pocket fantasy RPG, you know, it, it's pretty easy. Here are your characters. It's pretty easy. Here's a bunch of monsters that should be level appropriate. And now what's the sitch? And it's such an easy pitch to say, gosh, I don't know. I'm, I'm making stuff up now, Brian. You, you mentioned Die Hard, and you mentioned lo, like geographically limiting so, it. Yeah, so I mean, so the thing about Hans Gruber, there's this scene where John McClane, this came out in 1986, yep. and it came out 32 years ago. Hopefully you've seen it. So there's spoilers, <laughs> so, here. spoilers here. for Die Hard. Spoiler alert for Die Hard. <laughs> but uh, there are, there's, you know, there's a scene uh, where they interact and John McLean doesn't realize immediately that he is uh, one of the Germans um, who have taken over the building. Uh, but it would be nice if I could create like, a, I guess, a hook where... I interact. The villain would interact with the with the um, players or the characters, and they would, in storyline, not necessarily realistic, not necessarily in in uh, matter of the system, but where they are not incentivized to kill me, so that w- there could be some interaction. Like, hey, you've got to wait until. Um, I would have to set up something to where I have to be alive for something to happen. And once the thing starts to happen, you you know, that could be the point where the character or the players could decide that they are going to attack so that uh, they stop me from, like, taking over the world 
uh, but the gate, like Ghostbusters or something, the gate has to be open to to do whatever. I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm just you know spitballing right now, but I would I would yeah. I would want to interact. I would would want to interact with the players, and I would want to have something to where there's some repartee without them just rolling initiative and trying to kill me. See right there, you're saying you want to role play. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, yep. I, I realize that. <laughs> yep. Um. So, so I'm wondering, in in Pocket Fantasy, does it how easy is it to build player character sets in Pocket Fantasy, right? Does it have guidelines for, you know, going I'm, beyond your basic fantasy group, Wizard Warrior, into like cop SWAT unit? I'm sure I mean I, I would just use, I would just use pre gens. I would not I would just if Do you want a fantasy setting? Um Yeah, it's, let's ask some more basic questions. Where do you want to set this? I you know, I feel silly. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. It's kind of like me saying I think Superman looks silly without his red trunks and everybody else is like, well, he looks silly with them. I feel kind of silly sometimes RPGing outside of a fantasy setting. It's sometimes oh, yeah. it's weird for me. Yeah. So I probably would want to do a fantasy setting. Okay. I feel more comfortable there. So it's a fantasy setting. Um, how are you going to play? Online, in person? That would be it would it would be in person because you'd want it to be or because it would have to be. I would want it to be. Okay. Um, picture your table. Do you have maps? Do you have minis? Or I so I I I can so I like maps. We've we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine playing theater of the mind, but I don't know that somebody, especially someone who hasn't played before immediately will get theater of their mind. I think they probably need the trappings of having a mini on the table and a map, even if they don't really refer to it that often. I think it would make more sense and be easier and more approachable for somebody else, especially if I'm playing with somebody who hasn't uh, played an RPG in years from a system where you could only do uh, with a map. I don't know, man. I, I, I would challenge that, but it's your game, so I'm not going to. Um, so you want to run with maps and minis. I'm not saying that I specifically want to, but I personally think that it would be more a better appro- experience for the a players. better experience and more approachable for players. Okay, but well, I, but I, I wouldn't create any scenario where you have to force line of sight, where you have to have like trying to shoot around a corner. It would as much as possible things would be open and and the mini the maps and minis are just there as a as just a, a reference to, a token uh, offering to the to the players you know for their their comfort. So maps and minis, but not forcing mechanics of not forcing maps mechanics, and minis. Yeah. Okay. So something is happening with a villain trying to achieve something. You know, rob a building of gold. You mentioned open a gate. The villain's trying to do something. Yeah. And somehow the heroes become trapped in the same space with the villains. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what, what kind of logistics you want. Do you want NPCs in there? Like, do you want the the potential for Innocence to get killed, or you just want to totally avoid that and make it be kind of a fun house, you know, kill them all fest. I'm at, like, like when, when Mike asked the question about decisions, like, what kind of decisions do you want your players to make? Because if it's just, okay, I'm locked in this building with these terrorists, the interesting decision becomes, what's your approach for taking them out without dying? So, how many can yeah, I kill? How, how many can I kill? How can I sneak <laughs> so around? I mentioned, I mentioned Superman, and I, I'm probably trying to craft something now that's just going to be. Uh, ridiculous and impossible to, to create. But, like, I love Superman as a character. And in my mind, Silver Age Superman is where it's at. I like where they put Superman into situations where he has to either make a choice or he has to accomplish something that's more than just beating somebody up. It's outsmarting them. 
So I would want to create some sort of situation where either they have to figure out a puzzle or uh, I kind of like the idea of giving them like um, a choice to make and both both outcomes are bad, but one would you know, one choice might be less bad. And hey, if they uh, figure out a way around it, kind of like we did in the Smohu game, even better. But I want to give them like, a, like, what is it, a madman's choice, some something like that, whatever it's called. So like what kind of choice? Are you thinking like save these people or save these people? Like, you know, say, uh, save this one person or save everybody. Yeah, say, save your girlfriend, Spider-Man, or yes. save this entire compartment of people. Yes. Bus full of kids. Yeah. Bus full of kids. And then you make it so that you make it so that he, they can, but it's not going to be easy. Where are you thinking about setting? So it's fantasy setting. Fantasy setting. You want maps. I want maps. You want your map to fit on a table. I want it to fit on a table. Are you picturing picking up and putting down different rooms, or are you picturing the whole maps on the table all at once? I Maybe flipping it once. Okay. So maybe an outside setting than an inside setting. Like, so how are they geographically limited to this? If they're starting in a prairie, how are they geographically limited? That's a great question. So, um, without without resorting to like the the silly video game uh, force fields and stuff, it's kind of it's kind of hard to limit that. So it, it, is. it would have to be. It, it would, really is. It would have yep. to. It would have to. Once be. you introduce maps and minis, yep. for those of you at home, you 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 introduce this whole concept of okay, well, how do I have enough maps prepared? Logistically, and it's either through a tacit metagame agreement with your with your players that they're not going to go but so far away, or it's by limiting the players during the session somehow. Like like I said, I set my adventure on a boat at at, at sea, so yeah. there's nowhere you can go. It, it would, it would, so it'd have to be some sort of catacomb or something. So the reason that I don't want to do theater. What if they're shipwrecked on a desert island? It's like lost. It starts out like lost, and then you have the island on one side of the map. And you flip it, and you have the catacombs under the island on the other so side. So really what I think I need I, – I like the idea. Really what I think I need to do is figure out – basically build – going back to our business ethos, build requirements. You know, I want to have – I want to have this kind of decision in place. I want to have uh, – I, I want to make sure that these players can't do this, and they can do this, and they can't do this. Then I just sit down and then craft out, like, what kind of environment that would take for that to be the case – and then I just build a simple story around it. If I were so, yes, you can do that. You can also just steal a plot to a movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I can. A movie that you like, that you're familiar with, it'll help you RP. Tombstone. Shoot out the OK Corral. There you go. <laughs> How do you keep them inside the OK Corral? Well, you, 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 you give them the mission. <laughs> yeah. You tell them that hey, you know, you you start off with hey, you are the town guard. Ooh, what a fun throwing throwing people on their ear usually the town guard are your enemies yeah what if you start off with you four the town guard and you just got wind that the the clantons fantasy cowboys the clantons and the mclauries <laughs> are down at the are down at the sulke corral place yeah i, yeah, I like we're, it. we're all over the place we're, yeah, we're, we are. We're, we're totally all over the place what i want people at home to get out of this is you can do whatever you want um but brian what i want you to get out of this man is you got to make decisions that limit your prep. Yeah. You got to make decisions because if you don't, you don't want to prep, you know, eight hours of crazy outlining and writing and writing requirements and doing all that for, for a three or four hour session. Um, you can if you want to, I guess, but you want to make decisions that help you role play effectively without. I, I would that. like I would like the session to be like 90 minutes. Ooh, that's, I don't, that's quick. Yeah. yeah. I don't, don't want to have a long session. 
we should talk we should we should talk soon about my work games because I play over lunch hours and there's there are ways to do that. There are ways to make a game happen in 90 minutes. And so I want the games to be relatively quick and um I what I really want to avoid especially going again back to theater of the mind because I want to have some sort of visual cue that I can look at. I don't want to get lost and then be caught with a player trying to do something and I'm not prepared to react to it. I really want to avoid that. I, I, I honestly, that's my biggest fear is that say Ricky wants to do something and I then freeze because either it didn't fit into my framework or I just don't know how to respond. So I really, really want to avoid that. So I'm going to try to do whatever I can to minimize uh, or to alleviate that fear. I think I know what we're doing for an upcoming episode. What's that? Uh, we're going to print out some of the Pocket Fantasy RPG cards. We're going to... Mike, you and me will each take one. It's, it's just a flashcard. I'll hand Brian the monster the, the monster cards or the monster sheet with the rules. And Brian, we're going to challenge you to run us through a through a 30-minute adventure. Ooh, Ooh, I like that idea. I on like the show? Yeah, on the show. Just live. And we'll pause. You can talk hop. about... Wait, now how do I set DC? And then we'll figure it out together. And I love this. It'll wind yeah. up being like a half hour long ad for Pocket Fantasy RPG, but it's free. So, you know, we're not shilling. It's free. Who cares? Yep. Um, we like the system. Let's just do it. That's an awesome idea. I love this idea. We're doing that. Fantastic. All right. So you want to play in a fantasy setting. You want to play. This is a one shot. So the story's going to be over. Loot's not going to be a factor. Yeah. It's a one shot. So I, I think I'll have loot in it. Just plentiful loot because Because it's a one shot. Who yeah. cares? It's yeah. like it's like you get loot and you get loot. Scratch that itch. Yeah. Give them, you know, something to get excited yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Think about at the end of a one shot. I'll leave you with this and that I think we're done. I think we've mined this for all the content that we can for now. How do you have them walking away feeling satisfied for their characters? Ooh. I don't. So I'm going back to again because I again I just basically am ripping off DM Scotty. I don't know that I felt satisfied from for my character, but I felt satisfied for the group. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried a trick to make you feel satisfied. Do you remember his trick? Oh no, I don't. He gave you your your goal that you wrote down at the beginning of the game. Oh. Remember, you pick, could pick, have, pick one. You could of have one of three goals. Three. Yeah. Walk out of this dungeon with the most money. Mm-hmm. Walk out of this dungeon famous or become immortal. Oh, ooh, I love that. So you could give them goals or let them choose goals and then let them achieve those goals during the adventure. But then totally expect to run into players like me who write down a goal and then completely, you know, abandon it once they get into the game. That's their choice. Yeah. I think my character wanted to be famous, if I remember right. All right. So this is messy. This is sloppy. I think we are done for this episode. I think we've gotten what we can. Lesson learned for, for those of you who haven't GM'd. There's nothing to it. It's just asking yourself a lot of questions about what you want to do. And and Brian, we didn't do this. Those of you at home, gather your materials up and start from there. Start with what you have. Start with what you know, you know, and, and steal from what you know and make it easy on yourself. And you want to make it easy. That way you're encouraged to repeat it and iterate. Don't go nuts. Don't feel like you have to go crazy mapping out this entire city you want to limit things so limit limit your scope but good business lesson limit your scope scope creep is not your friend scope creep is not your friend thank you for listening people call them postmortems evaluations appraisals reviews retrospectives 
We call them Lessons Learned, and we're sharing ours with you.